0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, Ulu's File Podcast. Um, uh, this is a podcast of uh, Ulu Akumu. I'll be sharing my business experience and perspectives across uh, industries: telecoms, um, business, uh, banking, financial services, healthcare, uh, consumer goods, and non-profit. Uh, I'll be speaking from this experience, talking to sharing our perspectives on business strategy management, marketing, leadership, and public policy, speaking to a range of topics uh, over the next uh, few weeks and months, and I'm sure it's going to be very interesting uh, for a whole lot of people. Uh, Today, we are going to start with the topic which uh, I call Building Sustainable Business and Commercial Strategy for Digital Startups. Let me repeat that. We are starting with the topic Building Sustainable Business and Commercial Strategy for digital startups. Now the outline of uh, my podcast uh, today is going to be, we have uh, six sections, Uh, we'll be talking about the greater purpose of digital startups, Uh, we go on to look at why digital business do better than incumbents, then we go to a section which I describe as the two types of innovation, we look at two types of innovation and implications for commercial strategy. Uh, then we'll go on to look at uh, what I call is very interesting section that a good technology does not necessarily translate to good commercial success. Then we we'll go on to look at a model for building your commercial strategy if you're a digital business. And we're going to look at the final section, which is the economics of your business and profit model. Now, going to the to the meat of uh, our podcast today. The greater purpose of digital startups... Uh, If you look at Nigeria, looking at our country, Nigeria, and that will apply to a whole lot of countries across the world, but particularly in Africa, we have a major problem of social exclusion. 92 million Nigerians are very poor even before COVID. That's about 50% of the Nigerian population. If you take the next 10% above the 50%, their living conditions are not necessarily different from the bottom 50%, which are living below the poverty line, even pre-COVID. And with COVID, many more people because of COVID challenge are going to be sunk into poverty. So essentially, you could say that even before COVID, that our commercial markets in Nigeria are not largely serving 60% of the Nigerian population. So we have a major problem of social exclusion even before COVID. So there are three big problems that digital startups can solve, big three big social problems, which are largely issues around share exclusion. They are the problem of access. They are, the they are the problem of affordability and the problem of sheer exclusion. When we look at commercial markets from finance to education, housing, health, and energy, we see this big problem of sheer exclusion, the fact that more than 60% of Nigerians are largely excluded from what we call commercial markets. And one great purpose of digital startups is how could use, we could use technology to solve this major problem of share exclusion that excludes a whole lot of our people from the benefits of market economy. And why is it that digital businesses can solve this major problem of shoe exclusion? It is largely because digital businesses, because of its technology, compared to incumbents, will deliver significantly lower transaction costs than conventional, traditional business. When we look at the cost of acquiring customers, when we look at the cost of searching for information and matching buyers and sellers, for example, When we look at things like bargaining, decision and contract enforcement and the cost of fulfillment of contracts, when we look at a digital business compared to the traditional law business, we find that digital business can deliver significantly lower transaction costs at scale that can bring markets that are excluded into a market economy. So essentially, all these sixty percent of the Nigerian population, or even much more than that, that are largely excluded from commercial markets, because the conventional business model, transaction cost economy, cannot include them in the market because because the business model does not work out in terms of profit and loss. For example, particularly can be brought into the digital into into markets because of the significantly lower transaction cost that uh, digital economy and the digital digital technology can deliver. And particularly what that does is that it enables us, many more people, to be part of a market economy, prosperity becomes more inclusive. The whole concept of an inclusive society where prosperity is much more widely shared can be achieved by digital technology. So essentially, let me say that again, the benefit of digital technology digital businesses and digital startups is that because of their significantly lower transaction costs in terms of acquisition costs of customers, such a matching of buyers and sellers, bargaining and contract enforcement and fulfillment, a whole lot of excluded markets, markets where uh, there are no consumption can be brought into the former market economy for a more inclusive and shared prosperity society. Now, there are two types of innovation and it has implications for commercial strategy. One is the first one is incremental innovation, which is incremental innovation is about efficiency improvement in existing markets with existing customers. So it's more largely about how you use innovations and technology to generate more revenues in terms of more services, more products, better service experience. Essentially, how do we get more revenues from existing customers in existing markets? Then incremental innovation can also be about cost reduction. How do we reduce the cost of fulfillment of services among existing markets, existing customers and existing markets? So, because incremental innovation is likely targeting innovation efficiency improvements in markets that already exist, the commercial strategy for incremental innovation is to go and look for where those customers are, which platforms are they, which businesses have those customers, so that those innovation incremental innovation could be plugged onto those platforms to scale, very quickly. So this commercial strategy for incremental innovation, the first innovation we are discussing, is about plugging to the platforms where existing customers who will benefit from the benefit of that efficiency or the businesses that will benefit from the benefit of that efficiency to plug into those platforms uh, and scale very quickly. The second type of innovation is disruptive innovation, which is about unlocking, uh, unlocking opportunities in markets where there are no consumption. Uh, we've discussed earlier that 60% of, Niger- of Nigerians, particularly even pre-COVID and much more now post-COVID, are largely excluded from commercial markets. As far as incumbents are concerned, there are no markets where there are no consumption. But because of the lower, significantly lower transaction costs and the better transaction economics of digital businesses, uh, digital businesses can go to where incumbents do not play and unlock markets where markets did not to exist. And that's what essentially is called disruptive innovation because uh, with a digital disruptive innovation, uh, a different kind of economics, a different kind of business model can bring a swath of customers, a, smart of, a swath of markets that are previously excluded, that were taught either to not to exist, into commercial markets at a profit because the transaction costs are lower. So, if, so even if revenue per customer is very low, but because the transitional costs are lower, markets where we thought were not commercially viable because of profit can be brought into former commercial economy. Uh, that's essentially what digital, digital dis- uh, disruption, the, you know, disruptive innovation is all about. And one of the key things about disruptive innovation is that it may start very crude at the beginning because it's targeting markets that are excluded, like the markets at the bottom. But as it gets more sophisticated with a far more better economies compared to incumbents. It begins to power up the market and eventually will begin to cream businesses from uh, the bottom of incumbent businesses as the bottom layers of incumbent traditional business see the better economics that a disruptive business from the bottom where people thought there were no markets is delivery a lot of the people, customers in the traditional business begin to trade down into where the, or the, to where the disruptive innovation is, is working, or the destructive innovation begins to power up the market as it gets more sophisticated. We see a whole lot of these, of course, the answers are, are, are very obvious in the in the transportation and hoteling platforms that are all over the place that we now see today. That model has been applied in many industries from the Ubers and so on, the Airbnb, where a large section of excluded markets have been brought to the market. It didn't didn't demand and it didn't supply have been brought together in terms of new platforms yeah, to create businesses uh, where, where to create businesses and markets that did not either to exist. Now, if we continue, now, even if we have uh, a good innovation, whether incremental or, or, or disruptive, a good technology or a good innovation does not necessarily translate into a commercial success. Innovation is one, but how do you essentially ensure that the innovation that you have or the technology that you have translates to commercial commercial success? That's what we're going to be talking to over the next uh, couple, of, uh, couple of minutes. Uh, please come with me. Now, I want to share with you today uh, a model for building your commercial strategy. You could have a great innovation, but it doesn't mean you're going to make a commercial success out of it. How do you build a commercial strategy out of your innovation? So, that's what we'll be descri- describing over the next uh, few minutes or so. Uh, a model for building your commercial strategy. Now, I want to describe to you today, uh, which is uh, a, what I'd call a, 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 PSAVE, uh, a P-Save model for building your commercial strategy. P uh, is for problem. S is for solution. A for access. V for, val- v for value. And E for education. Uh, let me repeat that. P for problem, S for solution, A for access, V for education, V for value, and E for education. A PC model for building your commercial strategy. Now, problem on the P. The kind of questions when you are building your commercial strategy is to start by asking a couple of questions. What, what is the kind of social business problem? What, What social business problem are you solving? It's important that this is defined very sharply because a problem that is poorly defined implies that your solution may not be very articulate. You need to define very clearly what business or share problem that you are solving. Then what is the size of the problem and what is the potential commercial commercial opportunity? What is the size of the opportunity that you can capture, for example? Now, a big social problem does not necessarily translate to big commercial opportunity because ultimately it's a function of how will you get people to pay for the problem that you're solving. If you have a big problem, but you cannot get people to pay for it, then you cannot translate innovation, this is your solution, into, into, a commercial, into a commercial model. So how many people will be willing to, how many people will, how will, how will you get people to pay for the problem that you're solving? Uh, how much will they pay, for example? Uh, will someone else pay on their behalf? Or will someone else subsidize the user? You see this kind of... Uh, Situation or context in, for example, media businesses where um, the users of media, digital media like Facebook, for example, are different from the people who are paying f- commercially for the service, which are advertisers on, on Facebook platforms. So, yes, can you get someone else to pay uh, or subsidize the user? So, for example, there are also business models where uh, you can get donors, for example, to subsidize uh, to, because you're solving a big issue problem, somebody else can pay on behalf of the people whose problem you're solving. Uh, for example then uh, the other thing to look at is that, are there potential complementals whose values you can amplify or sh- and share in the amplified value that you create If you take your solution the problem you're solving and you plug it to someone else's uh, solution can you amplify the value of those businesses and from the amplified value that you create, can you share in the can you share with that? Can you share from them five value that you create with with that business? So those are the kind of questions in the PC model that you have to you can address. You have to you have to add the kind of questions you've got to ponder on when you are building your commercial your commercial strategy. Uh, the second acronym is S, which is solution. Uh, solution, of course, solution of course is the problem that you are solving whether it be a social problem or business problem or customer problem. And the kind of questions you have to keep pondering on as you are building your commercial model is that what is the size of the opportunity that you can capture, which is a function of your advantage. Now, are there competing solutions that are solving the same social problems in markets while you are playing? Now, let me explain this a little bit. Now, even in a context of disruptive innovation where markets do not exist, And you are unlocking markets that do not exist. You are bringing new markets into, new customers into the markets with the benefit of digital technology because of your lower transaction cost. Now, if there are two or three of you who are doing the same thing, then then you have to consider the issue of whether you have a business advantage. Uh, If there are complete solutions, solve the same issue problem with you in the same markets where you are playing, that the issues of business advantage becomes very critical as you are addressing the S, the solution in building your commercial model. And there are four sources of business advantage. They are, one, the uniqueness of your solution, how different is your solution, for example, in solving the issue business problem or the customer problem, the scale that you are building, the network effects and brand. Now, in terms of scale, a key issue, for example, uh, as in terms of learning, have we seen the digital economy evolving? is that if someone else is building scale side by side with you, then your scale advantage will neutralize each other. Yes, we always say scale economy, but scale economy is relative to someone else. So if someone else is competing with you, solving the same kind of problem with you in the same way as you are doing, scale advantage is only is a relative term. Your scale advantage is relative to the scale advantage of others. If someone else is building scale side by side with you, your scale advantage will neutralize each other. So the question, if you are building scale, is whether you can run faster than someone else to build a real advantage over the competing business, especially if your solution is not necessarily unique. Then the other one, of course, in terms of business advantage is network effects, uh, which is uh, defined as a scale-like community of users uh, that eliminate uh, transaction switching costs across platforms so that you can get a large community of users who can be doing transactions within themselves and you are not... Paying a third party in terms of switching costs of your transactions. Then, of course, the last one, we've talked about uniqueness of your solution. We've talked about scale. we talked about network effects. And the last one, of course, in terms of business advantage is brand. Now, in the context of a new world of e-commerce, some of the lessons we've learned from the analog world in terms of how to build brands becomes very material. Let me give an example. If... Um, everyone wants to sell one form of shoes or bag on, 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 on digital platforms today. But there's a difference, for example, between if someone like a Tiwa Savage, for example, uh, leverages a brand from the music world and, be, and leverages to fashion. So everybody can sell a bag, but a Tiwa Savage brand on a shoe or a bag will command a higher bank equity and customer equity and business equity than someone else who does not have it. So, Brand value becomes very important, so that's something that we don't always talk about in the digital economy, but some of these lessons that we've learned from analog world about how to build brand, how to build emotional attachment, prestige around your brand, and so on, becomes very important as far as e-commerce is concerned. We see a whole lot of this in the in the Chinese e-commerce platform, where a whole lot of people, a lot of celebrities are leveraging their celebrity brand into e-commerce, so if you don't want to do e-commerce, uh, one of the things you're also going to look you need to consider, of course, is how you build your brand uh, in terms of uh, digital platform, in terms of business advantage. So let me repeat that: the four sources of business advantage in terms of solutions are uniqueness of your solution, your scale, your network effects, and brand. But the most important thing I want to talk about on that solution here is exactly this: if there's no uniqueness or advantage in your offering, you are eventually going to end up competing on price, and you may end up with a price war, which will ultimately destroy your margins. And extend your path to profit. We see this particularly in the local and international transportation platforms, digital transportation platforms. If two or three or four businesses are solving problems in the same way, and they are even when they are disruptive and they are bringing new customers to the market, but they are doing it in the same way, they are addressing the same, there's nothing unique about two or three of them in the same market. Eventually, they will have to compete on price to acquire and keep customers. And eventually, that eventually leads to some, some form of price, war or the other, which will destroy margins and elongate their path to profitability. So, a key question, of course, is not very easy to address. But even when you are disruptive, it is how to ensure that your solutions are unique, your solutions are different, you got a real advantage so that you are not go, less going to have to use price uh, to acquire and keep customers, which eventually destroy your margin or elongate your path to profit. The next the next in one in the accrual in will your commercial model is access, which is about how do you bring, bring convenient access of solutions to customers at scale and at low transaction cost, <clears throat> And of course, this includes things like price and affordability in a country like Nigeria where a lot of people are poor. If you are going to unlock markets at scale, especially a whole lot of 60-70% of Nigerians who are excluded from commercial markets today in markets like education, housing, health, uh, energy, for example. Uh, the issue of how do you engineer your businesses and your channel to ensure that it's price and affordability becomes very important so that you can unlock those opportunities at scale. Uh, the customer journey before, during, after you say all the elements of design thinking. But as, as we have discussed, the context of things that are incremental innovation, how do if it's, if it's a solution that's improving revenues or cost reduction in, for even revenues among existing customers? Uh, what you need to do, of course, is to go and plug to where those platforms or where those businesses exist. And one key issue there in terms of access is uh, things like, for example, looking at the ecosystem, whether there are complementary solutions that can enable you to scale access very quickly. So rather than trying to do everything yourself, look for what are the complements in the ecosystem that you can plug your solution to so that you can scale your access very quickly. Anything from all these USSD solutions that banks and telecoms have to geolocation to existing platforms or banks, telecoms, digital media, how do I plug into it so I can reach customers whose solutions are have developed very quickly and scale, and scale, and scale my commercial proposition. The next one is V, which is value, and this is uh, if you got a pen and paper, you come with me here. You need to take a pen and paper because we're going to talk about some very interesting things. I want to introduce what I call. The sustainable sustainable value creation model or mm-hmm. equation. Now, the sustainable value creation model can be described as take a pen and paper if you go on. I just follow me if you are if you are if you are if you are jogging, for example, just follow us the conversion goes. The sustainable value creation model can be described this way: value to a customer must be greater than price paid by a customer, which must be greater than cost to fulfill. Let me repeat that. Value to a customer must be greater than price paid by customer, which must be greater than cost to fulfill. So essentially, the perception of value by the customer must be greater than price that they are paying. Now, when you have that, you got a sustainable repeat business for the customer. The customer will always come back because the customer is getting the value. So customer must perceive that if they are paying five naira, they are getting a benefit of seven naira. Uh, If you have that, then you have a repeat business. Then the price paid by the customer must be greater than the cost of fulfilment of that transaction. Then, when you have that, you got what we call a positive margin in your business. That is, the price paid by the customer is greater than the cost of fulfilling that transaction. You got the positive margin. Then you got a value to your business. So, the two hands of value creation, uh, in terms of sustainable value creation, is value to the customer and value to your business. So, let me repeat that: value to customer must be greater than price paid by customer, which must be greater than cost to fulfil your transaction. Now. If the order of this equation is reversed, changed in any way, uh, whether you change the greater than in any of this equation and reverse it, then you got a business model that is not sustainable. Let me, let me explain that, for example. Now, if the perception of value by the customer is less than the price they are paying, the customer will not come back. So, you don't have a business on the end of the day. Now, if the price paid by customer or the price the customer is willing to pay is less than the cost to fulfill that, fulfill that transaction, then that you got a negative margin. It's going to be value destruction to your business. So even if the value to the customer is greater than a price paid, but the price paid is by the customer is less than your cost to fulfill. Do you have a sustainable business model? Because you'll be serving those customers at a negative margin, at the value destruction to your business. So it's important to align value to the customer and value to your business. So value to customer must be greater than price paid by customer. Which must be greater than cost to fulfill. Now, if you have a situation, for example, where price price paid or price that the customer is willing to pay is less than the cost to fulfill. The two things you can do, of course, obviously, will be to engineer your cost of fulfillment of that transaction downwards or increase your price. But if you have to increase your price, you cannot increase it above the value to the customer. Because if you do that, the customer will not come back. So you can see the reason why. Even when you are trying to create value for your business, you must also ensure that you are also creating value to the customer. So a good, sustainable business model is the one that aligns value to the customer and value to the business, where value to the customer is greater than price paid and cost will fulfill. And understanding how those levers work in building your business model is extremely very, very critical. Now, let's go to the next one, which is education, E for education. We are talking about P safe, P for problem. S for solution, if access, V for value, and E for education. Education of building your commercial model, of course, how you educate customers on how to use, how to access, smart, real-time, dynamic interaction with customers. In terms of a two-way interaction, you got today smart, intelligent technology to exactly know when you're educating your customers, you know what they are doing. You can deliver context and customize specific propositions to them because you're talking to them, you educate them you're educate, getting feedback from them. And when you are doing that, you have a dynamic interaction with them for Different form of proposition actions for your for your business. Now all these things were not possible before in the analog world. The benefit of smart technology of digital technology, uh, you can these things can be done at scale, and every customer can virtually have a context specific and a customer specific proposition, depending on what you are depending on what you are selling. Now, we now go to the economics of your business. This is the last part of uh, the part of the podcast because your business and profit model. Now, we talked about the new value creation model to have a PC model in terms of building your commercial commercial strategy. Now, in terms of the economics of your business and profit model, now, a question I would like to ask you is that have you worked out a clear path to profit for your business? But in working out a clear path to, your, clear path to profit for your business, in function of what I would describe as what is called the unique economics of your business, either a transaction product at customer level, most businesses do not have a worked-out clear path to profit. And you cannot work out a clear path to profit unless you understand the unit economics of your business at transaction, product, or customer level. Uh, let me explain this more. Now, at transaction level, in terms of unit economics, your income at transaction level is price per unit minus the cost of transaction, which is going to be equivalent to margin per transaction. Let me explain that again. Your income is price per unit, Minus the cost of transaction, or the cost of fulfilment of that transaction, which is called the margin per transaction. And if you are using the unit economics at customer level, your income at customer level is going to be revenue per customer minus the cost to serve per customer, which is going to be is which is equal to the margin per customer. Let me repeat that again: at customer unit economics level, revenue per customer minus cost to serve per customer is your margin per customer. Your total income as a business, in terms of unit economics is your margin per transaction times volume as you scale your business. Let me repeat that again. Your total income is your margin per transaction multiplied by your volume as you scale your business. Or at customer level, it can be expressed as your margin per customer multiplied by your active customer number, your active customer base. Now, I would prefer the economics of at customer level because at customer level, you have the opportunity to see how many more products can I sell to the customer that I've acquired to maximize revenue per customer. So that, for example, if I come in with my customers, come in to buy product A, uh, if I want to re- maximize my revenue per customer, I will look at can I sell product B or C to them so that my revenue per customer can increase while my cost to serve is virtually maintained at the same point. So my, my margin per customer will increase. So, Your revenue at the customer level in terms of unit economics will be margin per customer times multiplied by your active customer base. Now, in terms of economics of your business and profit model, if your unit economics, if your unit margins are negative, you'll be burning cash as you grow your business. Let me repeat that. If your unit economics are negative, you'll be burning cash as you grow your business. Therefore, it becomes very important to address how your revenue will will grow faster than your cost, so that your unit margins become positive. Let me repeat that again. It's very important to address if your unit margins, your unit margins are negative. You'll be burning cash, signaling your business, and you're going to need perpetual investor subsidy to subsidize your operation. Investor money is not going to be used in terms of creating new assets, but you're going to be using that to, to subsidize your operations and that is not very sustainable. So you need to grow your revenue faster than your cost to ensure that your margins don't positive. One of the key most important things about economics is that if you are running a digital business, it's important to understand, to be able to break down your economics this way. If you can see it this way, the things you need to do to scale your business, to build a clear path of profit will be very clear to you. Now one of the key lessons about this economics of profit economics of your business and profit model is what we see today with the digital uh, the new banks in in Europe, where a whole lot of them are falling shops because um, the unit economics have been negative at margin level. Uh, a whole lot of the investor money that they receive in the dif- different rounds of funding that they have been getting have been largely used to subsidise operations rather 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 actually build new assets. So you can ultimately not have a sustainable business if your unit if your margins are negative. So you have got to be able to understand your business at unit economics level, understand and how to drive positive margins in your business. Now. In, in conclusion, um, uh, this is a COVID period and it's a very interesting time for all businesses and all peoples around the world. One of the very significant developments of COVID is that investor appetite in terms of liquidity, liquidity in the investment community is drying up. And invest, investor appetite in terms of throwing more cash to a lot of startups is significantly reducing uh, because of COVID. And it's probably going to be the order of the day, even post-COVID period. Therefore, investors today are beginning to ask, are beginning, they are now asking more critical questions about things like what's your path to profit? Yes, we are funding you, but do you have a clear path to profit? Uh, and that's why the understanding of unit economics is very important. So, in terms of building your profit model, I've been able to tell your investor story. Yes, this is where we are today, this is where we're going tomorrow. If you understand unit economics, we know how to drive our positive margins and we know that have a build scale, uh, we're going to be able to break even by year XYZ. Now, uh, it's not always very easy at the beginning to have these things worked out easily at the beginning of a business. Uh, a whole lot of experimentation is important to find to find to to be able to work out this unique mix and part to profit very clearly. However, it's important, however, that the. Part to profit consciousness, unit economics model is ingrained from the beginning into the startup business model so that right from the beginning, the issues in terms of addressing profit margins at unit economics level can be addressed as a business scales. And in conclusion, let me end with a couple of just, just these words that um, one of the key learnings about technology uh, business and startups that we've seen in terms of uh, watching, watching from afar is that technology sexiness cannot replace. A commercial model with a planned path to profit. Let me repeat that. Technology sexiness cannot replace a commercial model with a planned path to profit. Yes, you can have a great innovation, you can have a great technology, uh, but that does not necessarily translate, does not necessarily imply that that innovation is going to become a commercial success unless you address uh, some of the ways in which you can translate your innovation to commercial success, some of the things which we've talked about in terms of these conversations today, the PC model, uh, the sustainable value creation model, for example, the unique economics, lake, unique economics issues of your business, how to drive positive margin, how to build scale, uh, how to address the issues of differentiation and uniqueness of your your solution, even if you are unlocking disruptive non-existing markets so that you are not competing on price, you're not having a price war, which will destroy your margins and allocate your path to profitability. Unless you address that, which are not the technology issues, they are commercial issues, they are commercial strategy issues. Uh, so no matter how sexy your technology is, these are the kind of commercial issues that you have to address as a startup to build your commercial strategy so that your great innovation and yes, great sex innovation can translate to great commercial success. Because ultimately what we are running, even though it's a great technology, we are running a technology business, we are running it's a technology solution that we have, ultimately what we are running is a business, is a technology business, and it must be run as such. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. We are going to have more fun next time. Thank you.